I'm Vengeance. No, I'm Vengeance. I'm Vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, movie friends? Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost Podcast. I'm Anthony. And I'm James. And today we're going to be doing a special episode on the Batman. Matt Reeves' film coming out. I think it's going to be uh, Christmas time this year, December, I believe. Really? 2021. So it's definitely coming out this year. Um, obviously, it's not released yet, but we're going to basically be doing a preview episode, kind of like everything we know about the Batman, our speculation, our thoughts, what we think it's going to be like assessing and analyzing the characters and actors and and basically matt reeves is a director it's such a curious looking film because it, it seems like a really refreshing new take on batman uh matt reeves is a fantastic director and i think it's just let's just talk about it because they finished filming this project was in development for a very short amount of time it's crazy how fast they got things rolling and then ultimately in the middle of production COVID happened so they had to shut down production for a long time and they finally ramped back up and they finished filming uh, earlier this month, and so it's nice that the movie's in the can, so we know that it's going to be released eventually, and it's just, we're always excited to see another Batman movie. The best way to support our show is to head on over to RaidersOfTheLostPodcast.com, check out our new website, you can find all of our merch, our custom movie posters, and become a part of our fan club on Patreon.com slash RaidersOfTheLostPodcast, where you get special perks, behind-the-scenes peeks at upcoming episodes, our schedules, personalized videos, and we just love the support that you all sent us. So thank you so much. I know we get a lot of reboots. Obviously, we got a ton with Spider-Man. I mean, there's so many X-Men movies. And obviously, they're going to be rebooting all the Marvel characters, probably, and all the new X-Men characters. But to me, I don't mind reboots because it just expands the universe even more. It adds more depth to the characters that we love so much. That's why I don't mind at all when they keep rebooting Spider-Man. Or here, Obviously, we're going to get another Batman. This is our, our fourth Batman or third Batman in 10 years, something like that. In third and ten years, yeah. Yeah, so three bat three different Batmans in a span of ten years. I don't mind that at all. I love it because I want to see as many different universes and iterations of my favorite characters of all time. And Bruce Wayne Batman, that's my favorite superhero to ever exist in my life. I've been a hardcore fan of Batman for years since I was a little kid. I had the phone case when I was when I was like my first smartphone I had a Batman phone case. But I just I'm very excited about this movie. I don't think I've been excited this excited for a film since like Interstellar. Yeah, and also in terms of the reboot thing, like I agree with you. I don't, I don't mind reboots because reinterpretations of famous characters as have always been ha happening all the way back to William Shakespeare plays being interpreted with different productions. It's just the way it always has been. There are iconic characters throughout narrative fiction, and then people make different interpretations and depictions of these characters, and it's always fun to see new takes on them. Um, I think that people have a problem with it when the movies are bad. And then it's like, oh, they ruined it. It's so like Fantastic Four because they can't yeah, get that so right. If a reboot or a reimagining of a character or a franchise turns out poorly, then people are against rebooting. But then when a reboot works out and the character is awesome, hence Tom Holland's Spider Spider-Man, they're very much open to it. So I think people aren't so much against rebooting as they are just against a bad movie. True. But I think the most important thing of when you're rebooting something, especially something so recent, the most important elements are the new take on it, the aesthetic and and the new themes and and what can you do different and what kind of worlds it in obviously with nolan and his batman we got like the very gritty real realistic what would batman look like in that world at the time in, in our world in our world and you know modern america in these cities and and we had bruce wayne played by christian bale and He's probably the best Bruce Wayne and Batman so far. Where are the drugs going? Yeah. <laughs> he he did an amazing job, and I I don't know if Robert Pattinson will will top him or match him. I wouldn't be surprised if he blew us away and became our the best Batman. Who knows? We don't we don't know what's gonna happen. But I think that as long as you remix it and make it your own, make the characters your own, make the film and aesthetic your own, I have no problem with reboots and redoing it over and over again. And also, I'm really fascinated by the the tone of this movie. Matt Reeves, first of all, has mentioned. This guy is a, an excellent director. He first came on the scene with Cloverfield. J.J. Abrams hired him to, to direct that movie, and then he um, gained a great amount of prominence by filming the entire Planet of the Apes trilogy with Andy Serkis. And each one of those movies got better with each film. He didn't do the whole trilogy. He did the, the second two. I'm sorry. He did the second yeah, two. Yeah. You're right. He, he did the second two. He, he didn't do Rise. Yeah. yeah. He improved on Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And... What he did with the third film, War for the Planet of the Apes, it just was astounding that a movie about uh, intelligent apes uh, feuding with humans for dominance over the world became so emotionally resonant and powerful and profound. And I think that he took the story into incredible um, territories, and he's 
going to do the same thing with Batman, it looks like. I mean, War for the Planet of the Apes, that could have been an Oscar contender, in my it opinion. It really should that, have that been. That was one of those yeah. films, but I think it's the type of film that's not going to get the yeah. contention. And before the Planet of the Apes films, he did Let Me In, which was a remake yeah. of the film Let the Right One In. And that's a foreign film. It's one of my favorite horror, foreign horror films I've ever seen. You showed me it like 15 years ago, and it blew me away. And his, world. And his, yeah. <laughs> His remake, which he did in 2010, which his second was his second film, was phenomenal. Yeah, with uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. Yeah, and, yeah. and it, it was such a good movie, and I think that really showed the artistic vision that this guy really has. He's Yes, he's a great director, but the vision that he has is insane. It's enormous. His attention to detail is absurd. I mean, just, just watch the Apes movies, and every little thing, every little detail, it's so planned out and so well thought out. The vision for this new Batman film, the franchise, it seems like... It has. It's gonna have like a, a a lot of nods to. It seems like the Tim Burton qualities of his interpretation in terms of the gothic atmosphere, because from the trailer and from what we've seen, it seems gothic, but with a grunge punkish kind of feel and vibe to it. Um, it definitely feels gritty, but not as realistic in terms of real world as the Nolan movies. And so it definitely feels like. It's Gotham that feels realistic but isn't set in our world. Yeah, so what they did was they filmed a lot of exterior scenes in Liverpool with these old Celtic and Gothic buildings and statues. And so obviously what they did and what Matt Reeves wanted to do was not use like Pittsburgh like Nolan did in Chicago to make it seem like an American city that we recognize, but he wanted to create a brand new city that we've never seen before, kind of like what with, with what Todd Phillips did with Joker, but with the opening shot, but that was a lot of world building. Mm-hmm. And that's what Matt Reeves is doing by shooting in real locations with this Gothic architecture, like you just said. Yeah, it makes but a lot of sense. But then world building around that, it makes it seem like a brand new city, but bringing that dark element. And yeah, yeah, I'm, that's actually interesting, bro the Tim Burton one because it'll, I'm sure it will be a little bit like that not as fantastical and comic booky, but I think like somewhere between like seven David Fincher's film that's what the obviously the immediate vibe I'm getting from the trailer with the with the the serial killer vibe and theme with the Riddler and then also Matt Reeves was heavily inspired by Chinatown and Clute which are great detective mystery films and I mean Chinatown's one of the greatest films ever made if it didn't come out the same year as Godfather it probably would have so much more acclaim because it's that good of a movie. But because it comes out with the same year as the greatest movie ever made, it's going to be in the shadows of that a little bit. But I'm so glad that we're he's making a Batman movie about the world's greatest, greatest detective because that's what Batman really is. He's a detective, and we're going to finally see those detective roots. Not that Christian Bale's Batman didn't do a little detecting, but that wasn't a core aspect of his character. This episode is sponsored by Writer Duet, the new standard for screenwriting software. Writer Duet has paired up with our podcast to offer a special 30-day free trial of their subscription. Head on over to writerduet.com slash raiders. Again, writerduet.com slash raiders. Writer Duet makes the screenwriting process super easy. It has a cloud-based access and makes your format of your screenplay look perfect. Head on over to writerduet.com slash raiders for a 30-day free trial of their subscription. I definitely see the vibes for Seven because it seems as though the Riddler, who's going to be played by Paul Dano, great choice. He seems to have a very similar characteristic and personality as John Doe in Seven film, where I'm imagining that the first murder, the murder in the trailer, it seems to be like a high-ranking uh, officer in Gotham City. Or a politician. Or a politician. Yeah, I think, I, think politi- D- I would guess the DA because there's framed photos of newspaper clippings about like drug bust and a mob. Falcone. Yeah. So I'm guessing it's a it's a DA probably, uh, the district attorney of the of the city, and I I would imagine that this is the first in many murders that the Riddler will commit, which will all be linked to Batman, Bruce Wayne in a certain way. Yeah, I think what we're gonna see is corruption is gonna be a main theme that we saw. You know, obviously. In Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, well, Dark Knight specifically, how you know Jim Gordon could never trust anyone in his in his team because of all the corruption in Gotham, and obviously they talk about it a lot. But I think that what Matt Reeves is going to do in the idea and vein of Chinatown, which is obviously a Jack Nicholson character, JJ Giddis, whose investigation of this of this woman, this missing and murdered woman, leads him down this rabbit hole of this immense political and economic corruption of Los Angeles. And so I don't know if I think corruption will probably be a main theme of the film in terms of how rot Gotham City is because Gotham City in the lore is heavily corrupt. We only saw brief glimpses of it in in Dark Knight, but in Batman Begins, but it's going to be pretty bad. And then 
the corruption will somehow be linked to maybe Batman's family in a way, Bruce Wayne's family in, in Wayne Enterprises and, and maybe his father, maybe his, his grandparents or something like that. I definitely think so as well, because otherwise, why would, why would these letters and notes be addressed to the Batman specifically? So there's probably something about Bruce's past that he probably is unaware of, or he's been probably trying to forget and move away from that the Riddler has somehow found out. I think it's the before because the end of the trailer is, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's Riddler talking to Bruce. It's definitely Riddler. And it's he definitely says, Paul Dano's voice. And he says, you're a part of this too. And then uh, Bruce says, how am I part of this? And then Riddler says, you'll see. So I think that, I think that also Bruce is going to be uncovering a lot about himself in his past through his investigations and through his detective work because again, world's greatest detective. And then we're also getting, this is going to be year two of Batman. So that's the really interesting thing about this film is Batman's been Batman for about a year and a half. That's what Matt Reeves says. It's like we're entering this world where Batman's been around, but he's still pretty new, which is why the aesthetic is kind of like awesome how he's like made everything. made all his, It looks like he's made his suit. It looks like he made his engineered his car, DIY. his mobile. So it's like very low budget in a way, DIY, DIY low superhero. Low budget for a billionaire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not like, but it's not like Bruce Wayne with yeah, the Tumblr yeah. with, the, with the bullet. Yeah, with Kevlar. Lucius Fox. Yeah, so it's, he doesn't have Lucius Fox. So I think that uh, the super interesting thing about it is it's Batman year two. He's been fighting crime for a year, but he's also trying to see how the effect that that has had on Gotham. And it seems like Riddler is going to be the response to Batman's actions in Gotham City. Yeah, and so we can see this establishment in the trailer pretty easily because the trailer opens with... Batman entering the crime scene with Jim Gordon. So he and Gordon have been working together for some time now. Obviously not too long because the other officers on site, they, they clearly look uncomfortable with Batman's presence and they seem very judgmental and not very welcoming to his presence as he enters the crime scene. Um, but is it obviously Gordon relies on Batman. That's why he's there. And also because the letters address to Batman. And then also Andy Serkis can be heard in the trailer when when Bruce arrives at his Batcave saying that he's becoming famous now, so which means that he's gaining notoriety within the public, even though some most most of the city doesn't know who he is. He's still, I think uh, he's, he's up at this point, Batman's operating so under the radar based on his skills of being so, um, of being able to be uh, deceptive and untraceable that the public doesn't really know that there's a person, a caped crusader dressed as a bat fighting crime because he's working in the shadows and, and he's so deceptive because of his training that most people aren't even aware of him. Well, maybe some people do are aware of him. Maybe there have been glimpses of him in photos because yeah. you know there's got to be some witness accounts and there's oh, yeah. got to be legends spreading through Gotham City of all the people he's beat up and put in prison and pummeled to a to a bloody pulp. And so I think it's not that people don't know about him. I think that there's just this legend growing, but maybe... But the, there's that thug at the end of the trailer who says, who are you supposed to be yeah, to yeah. Batman? So not everyone knows. Yeah, maybe not every, That's what I mean. So like, yeah. there's a legend like spreading word of mouth in a way and maybe the people who do know about it or know about some sort of vigilante, maybe they hear just there's a crazy vigilante taking crime fighting into his own hands. And people haven't really seen him. Yeah, but maybe Gotham citizens, their their perception of Batman is negative. Maybe they're afraid of him. Maybe they don't think what he's doing is good. And I think that's going to be maybe something we see with Bruce trying to, again, figure out his impact in Gotham City if it's good or bad. And on, in terms of the, the look of the world, um, just from the trailer, obviously they, there's plenty of footage they shot after this trailer came out because i think this trailer came out while they're on hiatus yeah they're about 25 percent done yes yeah, so they obviously filmed a ton more footage but the film itself looks very very dark in terms of the cinematography it looks like all of the main action scenes take place at night and just in terms of the overall aesthetic very dim lighting matt reeves and warner brothers i think they're embracing especially after the success of jokers which of joker which is a very dark movie they're embracing that facet of DC Comics, which is uh, the opposite of Marvel, where every kind of Marvel fight uh, or action sequence generally for the, very, for the vast majority of them take place in daylight. Marvel's films are very brightly lit. They're very, very rarely are they darkly cinematic. Not that it's a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing, but I think that DC is embracing what people are attracted to with their comics, which is the darker tones, darker aesthetics, and then darker st uh, storylines and characters. And so I think this is them giving Matt Reeves just free reign to the, hey, make it as dark and gritty as possible. We're trying to differentiate ourselves from the Marvel brand. But I think Batman, it has to be dark. You yeah. know, the Dark Knight has to be dark. And he, he operates in the night. He 
he, he's you know he's nocturnal like a bat so i think it in he a way he's upside down yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's blind or at least the michael he's blind and right? he sucks blood but um <laughs> the the thing with batman i think it has to have that aesthetic in order for it to seem real to the comics because the, the comics are dark a lot of them are a yeah. lot of them are very dark and and I, I prefer that when I'm when with a superhero like like Batman and I, yeah I want it to be dark too. And we, again, you need to reflect the corruption of the city of Gotham. And Gotham's a dark place to live. You know, I think you have to reflect that with the themes and and the lighting and the cinematography for sure. Let's talk about Robert Pattinson, but first I want to talk about the look of Batman in this movie. Let's and there go. there Let's are go. two looks. So there's the Batman look, and then there's the plain clothes. Batman look and you just get a hint of the plain clothes one but it seems really great because there seems to be some kind of press conference on uh, in the city and there's a bunch of reporters and Jim Gordon seems to be standing next to probably the commissioner at the time he's got like a, a bandana or, or some kind of cloth around his jaw hiding his face and then he has the black eye makeup oh, yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. and and he's so he's out in the world in plain clothes in daylight but he still has to disguise himself because he's Bruce Wayne and I friggin love this look for Bruce Wayne to even though he's outside, he still has to disguise himself and he still has that black eye makeup, which you never see any other Batman actor wearing because they all wear this black eye makeup around their eyes when they're in the bat suit wearing the cowl. But obviously, uh, if you take the cowl off, you just have a black makeup around like your raccoons. eyes. Yeah. And so I love how Matt Reeves decided to address this aesthetic especially with that final shot in the trailer which, where it's close up of Pattinson's face and as he's listening to the Riddler recording and you see that black eye makeup on him. And it's just, I think it's a great attention to detail that we had never seen before. Yeah, and Bruce obviously has, like you said, this grungy look to him. He look, he's very pale. He has dark he hair. He looks emo-y. He does. But I, yeah. think, I think what Matt Reeves is doing with the character is showing, and what I, what I can kind of gauge from watching Pattinson in, in the brief clips in the trailer is, he looks like a truly tormented character. He looks like it looks like he's really feeling the grief from his past and he seems angrier than other Batmans that we've seen too and obviously he goes he, the motto is I'm vengeance like that's that's insane that's really dark and 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 almost evil in a way and and Christian Bale and Nolan's Bruce Wayne was able to hide Bruce's trauma really well and hide his pain with the facade of Bruce Wayne, the the silly, ignorant billionaire playboy. That was the, that was the mask that he wore. And then Ben and Snyder's Bruce, um, Ben and Zack Snyder's Bruce Wayne, he seems to like bury that trauma deep down and does his best to ignore it until he's triggered by it. But he's still very confident and 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 makes jokes and stuff when he's around the other actors. Yeah, but Pattinson and Matt Reeves' Bruce Wayne, he looks like he's consumed by that trauma, and he can't hide it. And I was reading that Matt Reeves, he based a lot of the story and the themes of the, of the movie off Batman Ego, which is uh, a short story comic Batman version. But there's also, it's like Batman Ego and other tales. It's actually a great comic book short story with, with other iterations of the character Catwoman and stuff like that. So it's kind of like, it's cool. It's, you guys should check it out. Um, but in that, Batman is is consumed by guilt and it drives him to kind of have this duality of this character of Batman and Bruce Wayne. And it's sort of like this dual personality aesthetic in a way. We're going back and forth and 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 confronting Batman and, and Bruce, con Bruce confronting Batman and Batman confronting Bruce and both vying for control of 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 the body i guess you could say in a way which maybe that's why he relentlessly beats the crap out of that criminal which obviously he doesn't have to beat him that bad but he beats him he throws like what 12 punches to this guy unnecessarily he doesn't have to do it that many times he's batman but i think that it seems like once batman is out it's kind of hard to control for bruce this episode is brought to you by manscaped the leaders in men's below the waist grooming use our coupon code raiders of the lost at checkout for 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com over 2 million men are using manscaped products including their incredible waterproof lawnmower 3.0 groomer with a built-in light fellas you gotta get on manscaped ladies and gentlemen this is a perfect gift for the men in your life again raiders of the lost at checkout for 20 percent off from manscaped.com yeah, I'm not sure if they'll even have the playboy billionaire Bruce Wayne in this movie. He might not be like the confident, suave guy that other interpretations of the character have portrayed him as. And I definitely get that vibe that you're mentioning where he does seem to be very troubled and flawed as a character where maybe he hasn't even developed the ability to become that playboy eccentric per persona like the Christian Bale one has and the Bruce in the uh, Ben Affleck one has. So I definitely agree with you. I think that he might be an extremely flawed man 
in that regard and probably even antisocial. And I'm sure that um, Alfred will play a major part in trying to get him out in the world. Yeah, I just think that I have the feeling that there's going to be like this struggle between Bruce and Batman and, and control. And like, I think what Matt Reeves is going to do is put us in the shoes of Batman psychologically and like what it's like to be in that person's mind. And again, I think he's going to use the trauma and grief from his past to create this unhinged and sort of almost uncontrollable person with Bruce Wayne. I think they want they probably want to really cap capture that aspect of of Batman being uh, a, like a terrifying monster to villains and to criminals, like making showing the real fear that criminals have of this person. And it seems like when he's Batman, he's merciless in a way. He, yeah, he's gonna like like obviously I'm I'm curious if he'll break his code and and kill. But clearly, Batman has no problem causing serious long term brain damage to people because he just <laughs> hands out punches like cupcakes in this film. Probably, I, I guarantee he won't kill anyone because of the backlash they got from Batman from Batman vs Superman. No, yeah, no way he kills anyone. But I really uh, am very excited about Batsuit, which mm. looks fantastic. It looks like it's it's really body armor and very tactical, and it looks like it's pieced together by himself by hand and. I just really love the I love the cowl. I love I think they really captured a new vibe for the character that fits this um, not so much steampunk but like this punkish uh, gothic version of Batman mixed with gritty realism. I think it's very cool. And again, it seems like all of his tech, all of his gadgets, everything he has, he made it himself. And it seems like like this suit, like you said, it seems like he put it together. When I look at it, it clearly looks like metallic and like maybe yeah. panels of metal. So it, it kinda, and even that bullet ricochets yeah. right off of it. So it looks like literally a suit of armor that he's wearing. For but it seems more tactical than the other suits because it seems like he has better mobility in a way. The best part about the suit, I would say, is the is the bat symbol on his chest plate. And I, I'm not sure if this is a hundred percent accurate, but if you look closely at the bat symbol on his chest, it looks as though the symbol was created by carving the handle of a handgun in the shape of the bat symbol. So it looks like he took a handgun, sliced it in half, and shaped it into the shape of the bat symbol. And if he's going to choose a handgun, it could, it probably could very well be the handgun that killed his parents. And so that's a really interesting take on the character where he holds, he has this symbol and this icon on his suit that he wears, which is a symbol and representation of the murder of his parents, which could probably act as a constant reminder to him of why he's doing this and what he's trying to stop in the world. I think that is 100% right. And it's clear as day when you actually look at it. It's it very like cool. It's very cool. And also, I love the utility belt. Is like a good utility belt. Like Christian Bale had one, but it was like kind of just for show. Yeah, he yeah. used it a couple Especially times. Especially the first one. But like I, I, he's got a utility belt, and that thing looks stacked with all sorts of stuff. And then the cool combat boots. And again, making this stuff on his own, like DIY bat suit with obviously lots of funding. Mm -hmm. But also... The bat suit isn't clean. It's nicked up. It's it's all it's messed up. It's dirty because it looks like he's been fighting crime for a year. You know, I love Bruce and I love Nolan. I love the bat suit from that. But every time he went out to fight, it was pristine condition. It was never worn and torn. But Pattinson and Matt Reeves' bat suit, it looks like it's been going to war every night. Well, you know, Chris Nolan and his suits, they gotta be clean and spiffy, very clean. Even even the dress suits, the same with the bat suit. And and it makes sense because he's probably only made one suit. So obviously it's all damaged and war torn. But it seems like yeah, he's made one suit, but he's it's constantly evolving. He's adding new parts to it in a way, or or, and all, and, or fixing it up a little bit. And also it, he has these things on his wrist. I don't know what they are. These, what are those? They could be like little tiny like, like darts, like dart, <laughs> yeah, dart, like explosive darts that he can shoot on people. I don't know. It's, it's I'm so interested by it. And also I'm fascinated by the him riding around on a motorcycle. To see Batman on a motorcycle is pretty sick. It's really cool. And it, the Batmobile. Looks fantastic. I was blown away. I think that was the second image they released was him standing next to the, the Batmobile, mm -hmm. which is basically just this custom-made muscle car. It looks like a 69 Dodge Charger. Yeah, it looks fantastic, and I can't wait to see what that thing does in car chases. And I, I love the aesthetic of a muscle car because it blends into the world. Because if, I love the Tumblr, and, I, and uh, the other Batmobiles are very cool, but... In any Batman movie, they show like the action, but they don't show like Batman driving to the action. Or, yeah, like he's in traffic. He's in or, traffic, <laughs> getting to the Joker. Or on the freeway, like trying to find out where the bad guys are. They don't show that stuff because it sticks out like a sore because, thumb. Yeah, it would it would not blend in. Whereas the muscle car, 
Batman can just drive this, cruise this around the city and, and it's dark, so no one even knows it's him. Bruce is just paying a toll at the 101 in Gotham Freeway. <laughs> He's getting some in and out. I'm going to fight the, go, I'm going to fight the Joker. <laughs> a Chocolate milkshake. $1.25 for the toll. <laughs> when did you increase the prices? Anyways, but, but also what I love about the Batmobile is there's no, it doesn't seem like there's any weaponry on it. It doesn't seem like there's like bazookas or, or machine see, yeah. guns. Yeah, that we can see, but it, it doesn't seem like it's going to have well, it. Well, it has like a jet engine in the back, so that thing's pretty dope. <laughs> it might have something. But it, it I, might I have some artillery. It's not going to be like Affleck's where he's just like, like shooting everything up. And then yeah. even, even the artillery that the Tumblr has, it doesn't seem like that, which I really like because I think what Matt Reeves already wants to do even more that than Nolan. Obviously, Nolan wanted to make it realistic and bring the realism to the film and the character. But I think what Matt Reeves wants to do with then is that but also ground it in reality and on top of the the batmobile and the bat bicycle <laughs> bat motorcycle not bicycle imagine batman on a bicycle <laughs> the bat cave i'm going to fight the joker <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> the bat cave looks awesome and it, it adds to that idea of him being self-made uh not self-made but do-it-yourself batman like an engineer yeah and just starting out because it looks like it looks like an abandoned train station. I, you can't be certain, but it looks like there are train tracks that are lead through that large room, that open space. And uh, it seems to be probably a Gotham abandoned train station underground um, that he's been using. It's probably never been. It's kind of like when the Ninja Turtles find that abandoned train station in number two. That no one's been. <laughs> I think it's that same kind of vibe. And I think it's fantastic to see like he's got all these computers set up. He's got his vehicles, but it's just like, that's it. It's, it's super dirty. It's super grimy. Um, not the tech isn't crazy. It's just like he all. It's very minimal. I think this whole movie is about minimalism in terms of he just uses what he needs. He's, nothing has to be extravagant or perfect or super high tech. It's just like whatever works, whatever gets the job done, he uses. And other than that, why else does he need more? But then again, also we're in year two of Batman, so maybe he's you know gonna work up to better suits and better tech. Maybe if there's this is gonna be a trilogy, who knows? Which would be awesome. So yeah. year two, he's learning how to be Batman. Most importantly, but I think it's again we're, we're gonna be dealing with he's gonna learn what's good and what's bad, and is the effect that he's having on Gotham in terms of being a vigilante and in fighting crime on his own. Is that having the effect that he wants to have on the corruption of Gotham City? But it seems like it's going to have the opposite effect. And it seems like that's kind of what's pulling the Riddler, Riddler out of wherever he's from with him. And, and and I think that the corruption, again, is going to what make what makes it personal. This episode is also sponsored by MoviePosters.com. Use our coupon code Raiders15 to get 15% off your order today. MoviePosters.com is the number one site to get your posters online today that can do framing, backlighting, any size imaginable in pretty much any movie you can think of. MoviePosters.com is also paired up with our podcast to sell our custom-made Raiders of the Lost Podcast posters. Head on over to our website, RaidersoftheLostPodcast.com, to check those posters out with the link to MoviePosters.com. Again, use our coupon code Raiders15, Raiders15, to get 15% off your order today at MoviePosters.com. I think that the Riddler will probably be a victim of whatever... Um, the corruption in Gotham has caused, which would motivate him to becoming this villain in the in the world of Gotham City. So he's probably, I would say, he's definitely going to be a victim of something that's happened due to police corruption or governmental corruption. Paul Dano was an excellent choice, and he's a fascinating ar actor. Uh, he's made some great films. He's also a fantastic director. He made this film Wildlife. You should check it out with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Carrie Mulligan. And it seems as though with the Riddler. They took away the silliness. They took away the color. He's not this guy who dresses up in crazy green and purple outfits or with a top hat and a cane. He's not goofy. I love Jim Carrey's performance as the Riddler. He was fantastic, and he was the only good part of that movie. But the Riddler itself, it's a silly character. That's why I think they hadn't done him since the 90s. Because, like, how do you portray him on film with anyone taking it seriously? In a goofy Batman movie, it's okay. But obviously, the tone of this is very dark. So I think they stripped all the goofiness from it. And tried to relate it to the John Doe type character in Seven where let's make this person who likes to torment the police with riddles, let's make him a dark, brooding serial killer who works in the dark and is trying to get something done with these riddles. Yeah, it seems like I think that Riddler is just going to be emerging because of him responding to Batman's presence. And I think it seems like all the other characters in this film, they're 
all gonna have these great iterations and, and unique traits and and unique interpretations but it seems like it's all sort of like batman this isn't his origin story but it, maybe it's an origin story for everyone else maybe it's an origin story for selena kyle because it doesn't look like she's catwoman yet i mean she's when bruce catches her on her on her heist uh breaking into it looks like a safe or something like that she's just wearing a ski mask so she doesn't have her suit or anything yet and she has like little tiny cat ears yeah hinting at it and then oswaldo he clearly isn't the kingpin of gotham yet and i'm sure he probably doesn't even want to go by the penguin or something like that and and again, Bruce has only been Batman for a year, so it seems like everyone's kind of starting from scratch, whereas Bruce is starting from year two of Batman. And everyone's outfits, they match that minimalist tone and aesthetic where the Riddler, he's just he's just wearing a mask, and it seems to be like a bag over his head with the goggles that are taped to this leather they're, mask. They're not even goggles, they're just glasses. They're glasses, so yeah. glasses that are taped to this mask, and then otherwise he's just wearing a, a normal-looking outfit. And then Selena Kyle is just wearing it looks like a leather jacket and in like jeans and that's it and the in the in the um ski mask and the ski mask and and so I think that Matt Reeves wanted to embrace minimalism as opposed to sensationalism and fantasticalism so getting away from the iconic the iconography of the costumes and just getting down to the nitty gritty of like if someone's gonna burglarized places they're not going to wear a cat suit you know they'll just wear what's practical you know what i mean so if someone's gonna go out every night fighting bad guys he's gonna wear something that's just heavily armored until they become that character yeah until maybe. she becomes catwoman because i think there is a set photo or a photo of her in a partial photo of her in catwoman wardrobe oh really she I has like a, a choker necklace like a, it actually looks like a cat collar almost and like a, a cowl like a batman so i think that she'll eventually that might be photoshopped yeah, maybe. You're From probably what right. I've seen, they, it's haven't, hard to, they, haven't re they haven't released anything like that. Yeah, you're probably right. But I, I bet she becomes Catwoman eventually with the suit and I everything. I think that she'll be a recurring character in the franchise. I think she's going to get her own spinoff movie, too, because be going back on Batman Ego, that story and that, that universe, uh, Selena Kyle, Catwoman, Catwoman has a huge role in that universe, and she even has her own great storylines and, and dense character plots, and she has her own short story called selena's big score i believe so i bet you that she's going to be a very important character to the plot of the film because again they only shot a quarter of the film so we don't know if she's in a lot more than of a normal trailer and so i think that she's going to have a ton to do in the plot and then she's going to get a spin-off movie and i think it'll be the catwoman mo movie that like we've always wanted zoe kravitz is a fantastic actor i would love to see her leading a catwoman movie because the, what they've done with catwoman in the past has worked and has really not worked so I'm very interested in if she does a great job in this film, I would love to see her get a spinoff. And she's a phenomenal actor and super underrated. She's been in the Fantastic Beast movies and she was in Divergent series. Mad Max, Mad Max, Max Gemini. Yeah. And she was in this great show called Big Little Lies where she's excellent in it. And I love the aspect of bringing Selena Kyle into this because it seems as though uh, her and Bruce are going to have some kind of relationship. doesn't have to be romantic, but some kind of relationship throughout the film. They're teaming up. Yeah, and, it's, and from what I've seen, there are set photos of um, there's obviously, from what we can tell the trailer, there's some kind of funeral scene, and there are set photos of uh, Pattinson and Kravitz both exiting the funeral church together. Not together, but side by side. And so I think that Selena Kyle will know Bruce Wayne in this world, possibly. And there's also behind-the-scenes footage and video of them with the stunt actors riding motorcycles together. No, no way. Yeah, of the characters. So really? there's, 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 there's behind-the-scenes people shot of the stunt, the stunt Batman and stunt Catwoman riding motorcycles side by side. And when it was announced that Zoe Kravitz was Catwoman, in my head I was like, yeah, that's the obvious choice. I wouldn't even picture anybody else. And as soon as I heard it, I'm like, that makes a thousand percent sense. I mean, I think I feel like we could have seen anyone else, other people be Batman, but I think Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman. That just makes sense to me. She even voiced Catwoman in the Lego Batman movie. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I am so excited to see Colin Farrell as Penguin, aka Oswald Cobblepot in a famous character in terms of the Batman lore, in terms of obviously the Tim Burton film uh, and the animated series, but we never really saw him otherwise in that TV show Gotham. I watched a few episodes of that, but I just never really got into it. And he's someone, he's a character just like the Riddler that the filmmakers have kind of avoided over the last 20 years, obviously, because it's a very fantastical looking character. And... Colin Farrell, I was very excited when he was cast. I was like, oh, cool. I mean, I guess they're really they're just going for a very handsome version of Penguin now. <laughs> but then you saw the first photo of him, 
and the first images of him in the trailer. And he's Colin Farrell is unrecognizable as Penguin. He's got so much heavy prosthetic on him that he looks like a completely different person. And I think they chose him with the heavy prosthetics is because they they really made couple uh, they made Penguin's face super scarred. And I think they wanted to they wanted his face to look a certain way to give the impression of a penguin esque quality. And so I think that's why they cast someone and then put um, prosthetic makeup over them. Yeah, and I think they casted Colin Farrell because, of course, he's a very talented guy, but also a big name for a villain like that. And even for someone in the Penguin who, you know, isn't the most appealing character to look at on film or, or in the comic books. And the Penguin, in terms of his skill set, uh, he's known for, obviously, his love of birds. But I wonder if they'll have the umbrellas and the high tech and I don't specialized so. functions. I don't know. We'll see. And I, I think they'll make him more of a corrupt politician and just very minimal, just like every other character, very minimal character design. Yeah, well, Penguin Oswald eventually is becomes the kingpin of Gotham City, so I, yeah. I bet you he's on his way to become that at some point. And I think, again, this is like this film is going to be the origin stories for all the villains, not Batman, in a way. And Colin Farrell obviously was Daredevil and Bullseye. I mean, <laughs> he was Bullseye <laughs> and Daredevil. That sounds weird to say the other way around. He was Bullseye and Daredevil, and that just didn't really work out. And I feel like he, he kind of just stayed away from the superheroes because of that. But he was in Total Recall, which was, you know, that's a solid remake in a way, kind of. The Recruit, man. The Recruit. No, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying that he hasn't had a bad career. I'm just. I'm thinking of like the big budget. Films oh, big he's budget done. ones. Yeah. And then, um, but he also does films like The Lobster. And he's had to, a great indie career. Yeah, you see the characters he creates, and he's such a talented guy. So I'm the so, killing of a sacred deer. Oh, he's amazing, amazing in that movie. Yeah. So I'm ecstatic to see him as Penguin. Yeah, I, I love him in the smaller movies, and I think he was great in the first Fantastic Beast movie. I was honestly disappointed when it ended up being that he was just in disguise as Grindelwald. So. Yeah. I was I was bummed out by that, but I think he's one of my favorite actors. I think he's very underrated, and I'm very excited to see what he does. You hear his voice for a moment, but I'm just curious about what his accent will be like and what his performance will be. It's very curious um, a hire of him to hire him as the Penguin, and then some other villains. John Turturro is Carmine Falcone. Oh, is he? Yeah. So I'm super excited for that. Turturro. Turturro. Yeah. Turturro. Turturro. Say it again. John Turturro is Carmine Falcone. Carmine Falcone. <laughs> Jeez, I can't talk tonight. Which is gonna be awesome because John is John is great and he's played so many great characters. Obviously, Jesus in Lubowski is like one of my favorites I've ever seen. Jesus, Jesus, and so he he does comedy so well, but he's also a great dramatic actor. He kind of reminds me of like John C. Riley, where you see him in so many silly roles, but then you forget that he can turn on a dime and be such a great talent in dramatic films like Quiz Show. He's phenomenal in that movie, so he's such a great actor. And it's gonna be so great to see that him as a villain. I didn't know he was in this movie until for this episode I was doing research and I found photos of him on set. And I was like, is that John Turturro in the Batman movie? But I didn't know what character he was playing. So now thank you for telling me. You're very that's welcome. A, that's a great choice. I think he's a, a super, super underrated actor. He's fantastic in everything he's done. And wow, I'm very, that makes me very excited to see this movie. Is there another villain that we don't know about? Um, I don't know, but Peter Sarsgaard plays District Attorney Gil Coulson. I don't know, if, is that him? In the trailer, the guy, the the larger gentleman with the glasses at the press conference, I don't know if that's him with, with just hair and glasses on. No, that looks like an older guy. Yeah, it, it's I hard to I tell. Don't think that would be Scar I don't think that would be Sarsgaard. I, I don't know if he's in the trailer. I, I was trying to pick point him out. But my uh, my guess is that guy at the presser is like an the he's gonna he's the commissioner currently and Gordon will eventually take over his position. Just like in the dark night, they had that actor who was the commissioner and then he got killed so i think it's gonna be something like that where it's like some uh, an actor we don't really know who has a minor role but the guy in the trailer at that press conference he looks like in his eyes there's something nefarious going on like yeah he does he's yeah. very corrupt or something he does so it, again i think corruption is going to be a major theme in these films and i'm very excited as uh i'm very excited to see jeffrey wright as uh gordon perfect choice amazing choice i'm a big fan of westworld and he jeffrey wright and evan rachel wood literally carried westworld on their shoulders and he's a fantastic actor. I was so happy he was picked as Gordon. Also to have a person of color playing a traditionally white character in the comic books. Great change of pace and a great casting. I'm very excited. And I'm even more excited for Alfred. Yeah, Andy Circus, The great Andy Circus. And I'm just hoping to God it's not like an AI CGI version no. like motion capture. I need more of Andy no, in real life. Be because real. 
He's such an amazing actor. He's so talented. And of course, it, we only see him as CGI for the most part, and he does a terrific job. But I feel like because of that, he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. He might be the most underrated actor on the planet because... I think he definitely is. He gets no credit for, for the incredibly hard job it is just to be those voice be those motion capture characters that don't even exist but i mean give that guy a real role like in person he's he knocks it out of the park every time yeah he was great in avengers ultron and he was great in the prestige and he's had a lot of great roles on on tv miniseries for the bbc so people in people in britain they know who he is Schmiegel. before they, he's gone yeah but um he's an unbelievable actor this guy andy circus can literally do anything like i hope he takes on but the reason why he's doing, he still does so much motion capture is because he's heavily involved in it because of his company. He started a motion capture company. Yeah, we've talked about it before on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, and so he's very much involved in that part of the industry. But I, and also he's obviously very much interested in directing films like he directed that Mowgli film and he's directing another film in the future. So he wants to do more than just acting. But I hope in the future, next five years or so, maybe this could be a big breakout for him in America. Because Ultron really wasn't. He still had a very minor role in, in Ultron and Black Panther. But hopefully after this, he can be in leading roles in movies. I would love to see that. Or even just get like great supporting roles. Because this guy can do anything. And I'm very excited to see him as Alfred. I'm guessing that Alfred will be someone who maybe even played a part in training Bruce. Yeah, because... In developing Bruce's skills. And I think that Alfred maybe has a, a background in the military in this friend in this world that's what i'm thinking too because matt reeves says it's an alfred we've never seen before and he's still relatively young yeah he's younger than even probably he's definitely younger than jeremy irons and jeremy irons is kind of like oh yeah he's way younger he, but he's still like a youthful alfred in a way jeremy irons yeah but he's like 70 but you know but i mean he's youthful still you know what i mean okay it's, yeah it's, it's okay, still you know yeah. youth he's got youth it's an adjective i'm not saying that he's a young man he's not he's not simon in die hard three come on but um it seems like andy starkus was 50 years old so he's the youngest iteration of alfred we've seen and I guarantee you're right that he did take part in his training and is maybe a reason that Bruce is, has become Batman. I'm sure that maybe Alfred has actually played a role in that rather than Batman doing it himself. Who knows? Yeah, I definitely think that could be a possibility. And it sounds like he's just got like a, an upscale British accent just from the two lines you can hear. But I'm very curious to see his character design and what he looks like. Cause, uh, may, I'm, I doubt he's going to be wearing a, a suit. No way. Yeah, I think they'll go more for like um, casual gentlemanly. For, maybe, maybe for Alfred. Maybe like the the Sears men's section <laughs> lifestyle. <laughs> I was waiting for you. Like, who the fuck buys clothes at Sears anymore? People buy clothes at Sears, man. They sell them. They wouldn't <laughs> sell them if no one bought them. A bunch of middle aged men tomorrow going to Sears to buy a bunch of sweaters. <laughs> And khakis. You're acting like they're our new sponsor. Uh, I wish. I'd probably make a bake if they were. <laughs> yeah, Alfred's going to be cool. But I want to get back on Riddler a little more, too. So, riddle me this. The Riddler, played by Paul Dano, obviously seems really cool. But also, like you said, it seems like a completely new take on the character. He's got rid of the question marks. It looks like the green suit, the cane, the, the top hat, the boiler hat. Um, the boiler hat, right? Boiler hat. Bowler hat. Bowler hat. Bowler hat. Yeah. 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 Something like that. Something like that. Um, He's also going by the name Edward Nashton, unusually because we we usually know the Riddler as Edward E. Nigma. Enigma. So Edward Enigma. And so it's Edward Nashton, which has actually been used in other comics before. But I think it's clear that obviously the Riddler's the main villain in the film. He seems to be. Probably a genius like usual, and the Riddler is generally a hacking genius, an engineer, fluent in computer technology, and, and stuff like that. And so, I I want to say that I know people think He's that maybe, smart. maybe the opening with the the duct tape, the guy doing the duct taping, people think it's maybe not the Riddler. I think it's one hundred percent the Riddler. It's absolutely the Riddler. because you know when when you actually like pause it and you look at the stills, it looks like Paul Daniel's facial structure, so I'm pretty damn sure that that's Paul Daniel. But also, that's the crime scene where the Riddler note is. Yeah, I know, but you know, <laughs> who maybe, doesn't? maybe he has henchmen. Why would people not think that? Because there are other characters and other villains that kind of look like the character in the beginning. But, okay, I understand. But I, understand, I love the take because it looks like the Riddler is just deranged, and he's a, a psychopath because he kills someone and duct tapes their face, completely covering their head with duct tape, and writes lies all over it. It's a really really disturbing image and i think there was really like I, I, applause to warner brothers for just being like you know what f it 
Let's just go super dark. Let's go seven. Yeah. People are gonna people love Joker. Let's do that with this movie. And so I really love how they're making the they're making the Riddler a seriously disturbing and even scary villain. Uh, and I think that's something we haven't really seen because the Joker in Dark Knight, uh, very scary, but also there is an aspect of fun to him, uh, to the chaos he had and the the fun he had doing what he was doing kind of was infectious. You know what I mean? But with this, it looks like it's just grim and brutal, and I really like that. And everyone loves the Joker, and he's notorious, and he's everyone's favorite Batman villain. But to take the Riddler and kind of put him in the shoes of the Joker character in a way, and it seems like they're also going for the aesthetic and themes of Joker, Todd Phillips' film with Joaquin Phoenix. And again, I think that's what all these great directors like Todd Phillips was attracted to this kind of idea. And same thing with Matt Reeves now, is you want to tell a unique dark and interesting story with dense characters and you put in the vehicle of massive superhero films or or incredibly famous fictional characters and in in big budget productions and i think that it's such a fascinating thing to do it seems as though what warner brothers is doing now which is very different from marvel is that they're higher these great directors are coming on and not that the marvel directors aren't great but for the most part, the Marvel directors were not established directors, widely known directors before they got the Marvel jobs. True. Um, John, Except for if Edgar Wright, if he made Ant-Man, that would have been yeah, like the only one. Yeah. But um, And John Favreau, he made some movies, but he wasn't like, oh, John Favreau was an amazing director before Iron Man. You know what I mean? But I think what Warner Brothers is doing is they're getting these fantastic directors because they're going to the directors and saying, do what you want with it. We'll give you this property. Just do what you want. Hey, Todd Phillips, we love, like, pitch us your, your version of Joker. Okay, if that's what you want to do, go ahead and do it. Matt Reeves, what's your version of, of Batman? Awesome, do it. So I think they're giving these great artistic, brilliant, creative directors completely free reign over what they're doing, which is appealing to them because I'm sure these people were always big fans of comic book movies and Batman movies, and I'm sure that Matt Reeves always envisioned his version of how he would do Batman. But it, that wouldn't work with the company that wants to have control over the product. And especially if, if they have a universe they're building, they would have a trajectory and a path that they want their films to go on. But for this, it seems like Warner Brothers is just giving them the freedom to do what they want. And you can bet your ass that Marvel reached out to so many great directors, too, to make their films. But a lot, I'm sure a lot of them were turned off by it in a little way. Maybe yeah. it's, it's not for them or not because they don't have artistic control of the entire vision. It's probably kind of like why David Lynch didn't want to do the Star Wars movies back in the 80s. Because he's like, George, this is this is your thing. You should do it. Yeah, me. And, yeah and the thing with Marvel is it's not that they don't, they don't give their directors freedom. Um, that was a problem earlier, but now they fixed it, obviously. And... The directors have a lot of say in what they do, but when a, when a director gets hired for a Marvel project, Marvel execs are like, okay, this is the overall trajectory we want for your franchise. So you have to hit these certain beats so that we can apply this character and their storyline to the team-up movies. So you have to hit these beats, and you have to go in this direction. And these certain elements need to be in your plots, and these certain characters need to be in your movies. Otherwise, do what you want. And so that is there is freedom to that, but then also you're, you're restricted by certain boundaries that Marvel sets in place because they have a goal of an uh, overarching story across multiple franchises. Whereas Warner Brothers, it seems to be like they don't want to build universes so much as just start off with great films. Yeah, and just to talk about how Warner Brothers is approaching it in this entire way is this Batman film was originally supposed to be written and directed by Ben Affleck years ago. And this was, I think, in 2016, 2000, early 2017. It was going to be the Batman directed by Ben Affleck. It was going to be his first solo Batman movie, and it was going to be amazing. But, I mean, it's so unfortunate that that never panned out. But it's great that Matt Reeves pretty much stepped up back onto the plate in 2017 and took it over. And what essentially happened with Ben Affleck, he's, he's spoken about it in an interview um, this year where he said that uh, he was going through so much personal turmoil uh, and emotional turmoil, and he was struggling with, obviously we all know he, he suffers with alcoholism, and playing Batman in those two, uh, in Justice League and Batman versus Superman, put a lot of strain on his life, and also he clearly had a marriage fall apart, and so Ben Affleck was at a crossroads in his life where he was doing more harm than good to himself, and he had this moment with a friend where 
he was telling his fr- this friend about the Batman movie and how much he was putting into it and how much uh, stress and harm it was doing to him emotionally and personally. And his friend said, if you do this, this movie's probably going to kill you. So you need to take a step back and just put yourself before a movie. And then after that, Ben Affleck decided to drop out and to put the project away and just focus on uh, fixing himself and his personal problems and dealing with his own life before stepping back into a big, huge movie like that. And obviously he got the help he needed. Uh, he's recovered and he seems to be doing, he seems to be in a much better place than he was three years ago. Yeah, this stuff takes a lot of time and it takes a lot out of you emotionally and, and depletes you of everything you have. And Ben Affleck is super busy. The last decade, the guy's been writing, directing, and starring in so many films and producing films. So, like, he's probably one of the busiest dudes in Hollywood. And it, I'm sure that this was killing him because he has deadlines to meet. He has to write a Batman script. He has to pre-production direct a Batman movie on top of everything else he's doing, on top of having a family, and talk, on top of dealing with his with his uh, addiction. So I'm sure it took a huge toll on him, and he had to step back, which is unfortunate because, dude, a solo Ben Affleck Batman movie would have been amazing. Apparently, he was going to completely be set at Arkham Asylum. Yeah, that's what the idea was. And originally, Matt Reeves was attached to direct it, but then that's when Ben dropped out of it completely. Mm-hmm. So Matt also it was it was a screenplay by Affleck and then and, and a couple Re- other writers Reeves directing. And they, they, yeah, they threw Matt Reeves in to direct it, and they were it was and then it fell apart, and then and Matt Reeves actually dropped out too over contract and negotiations, and I think artistic control. And they didn't want to like pay that. him enough. Yeah, and then and then they got him right back immediately because obviously the guy has a great vision. Yeah, he's a great director, and I think he's gonna knock this movie out of the park. I know we're just speaking on just from seeing a trailer, but I think as a testament to the work that he's made. Uh, Matt Reeves hasn't made a bad movie. He's only made very good and great movies. So I have a lot of confidence in him as director of this new film. Yeah, if you haven't seen his other movies, I'm sure everyone's seen Cloverfield. That was a super popular like pop culture film that everyone kind of saw that year and that summer. But Let Me In is a phenomenal movie. And then the two Apes movies he made are so good. And War just, of the Planet of the Apes is amazing. Watch the directing in that film and just the opening scene is so incredible. Yeah, with the soldiers. Oh my. It's it's incredible what he did. And again, the the complexity of those storylines is intense. And and he again he has this immense vision with all of his storytellings. I mean, you're you're talking about a guy who who made a made two amazing films with with apes as the main characters. Talking. And, <laughs> talking. And it seems like I see a lot of similarities between Caesar in Planet of the Apes and Bruce Wayne probably in this movie. A lot of these characters who are leaders, but also, and they, they have like uh, an obligation to do good in their world, but they want to, they're trying to walk the fine line of of knowing what is right and, and learning what is right. And, you know, Caesar goes through that a lot in the War of the Planet of the Apes films and, and he's trying to do what's best for his community and he doesn't want to fight, but he has to defend his community. He has to do what's good for him and his people. Yeah, it's an, an engrossing drama for a movie where animals can communicate. And I mean, it's an unbelievable thing that he did. And I'm so excited for this movie. I cannot wait to see it. Hopefully it does come out. And hopefully, I mean, things are looking good now. Theaters are opening up. Seems like by the time this movie comes out, things will be really, very much back to normal. Oh, the trailer says only in theaters, my friend. I love it. I love it. it. Only in theaters. Yes. That's, that's just a, a pair of cojones like Chris Nolan in his trailers. <laughs> only, <laughs> only in, in theaters, theaters. Can you bitches. see Tenet? In terms of Robert Pattinson being Bruce Wayne and Batman, I'm very excited because he is such a talented actor. And I know everyone, you know, they, they give him so much crap because of Twilight. But again, that that was, he got his foot in the door into Hollywood and, and became a star. And, and that's set him up for this opportunities that he's had. And he's he's made so many good movies. He's been in great characters. I mean, The Rover, Lost City of Z, he's great in that. Good Time, uh, High Life, The Lighthouse, The King, he's phenomenal in. Tenet, he's great, and this guy is... the Cro- so, He's been in a couple Cronenberg movies, too. Yeah, he's a high-talent high talent actor, and he doesn't really yet, I think, get the the credit he deserves in terms of being a, an incredible actor. You know, The King, uh, if you haven't seen it, it's the uh, Netflix, Netflix film with Timothy Chalamet, and, and Robert Pattinson plays his rival, a French, uh, a French uh, leader, and they share a couple scenes together, and Robert Pattinson, obviously, he's English, and he had to learn French, but he also speaks English with a French accent. And Robert Pattinson did something that I honestly had never seen an actor do who's speaking English with a foreign accent because it's their second language. Where as Pattinson is speaking in English, he's most of the time, just like people, anyone speaking a foreign language, if they're not perfectly fluent in it, 
they're constantly like figuring out what to say as they're as they're speaking like they're trying to like form the words and like in their heads they're like oh that means like it's in there and so him speaking it's not like he's not speaking quickly and easily it's kind of a struggle for him to speak english and it's such a brilliant performance he only has like 10 minutes of screen time but the way he he the way he performs speaking english as a french person is unbelievable and it blew me away it's honestly my favorite part of the whole movie yeah me too and i know i've read so many people and heard so many people that his accent was so bad in that movie it's like you don't understand the character this is a a french what is he a prince or he's a yeah. he's a young king in france or, or yeah he's a prince, he's a prince. In, in france and so imagine a person who's barely spoken english french accent his entire life and then trying to shove out some English words, yeah. it obviously would be a crazy thick French accent, which he does. He doesn't just spell off English in like a typical French impersonation. It's like, it sounds like the guy is French who just learned English last week. That's what's so brilliant about him. He thought he knew to, if I'm going to do the scene, I have to speak English in this certain way of someone trying to formulate the words on the spot. And then The Lighthouse was one of the best horror movies of 2019. And that film is phenomenal if you guys haven't seen it with uh, him and Willem Dafoe. How they both didn't get nominated is beyond me. Insane. Incredible movie. And he's so freaking good in that movie, man. And again, just Robert Pattinson, he, he's one of the t- most talented actors of our generation. And I can't wait to see him as the Batman. And I can't wait to see the rest of his career. The interesting thing about him is that he we know he's been doing these small indie projects for almost a decade now since Twilight was over. And he... On unbeknownst to even his agent or his friends and co and many coworkers and collaborators that he had been thinking about doing Batman for years and he has been uh, percolating ideas and concepts on his own about the character and when he met with Matt Reeves for the first time he had a whole journal filled with ideas that he's had for years about how he would interpret the character of Bruce Wayne Batman and the thing is uh, when he heard that. Warner was booting up a new reboot of the character. He told his agent to like get me an audition or get me into contact with Matt Reeves because he wanted to do it. And the and the agent was like, "Oh, you want to do Batman?" And he was like, "Yeah, I would love to. I would love to do it." And and then the agent was like, "Oh, I didn't know you even wanted to do big budget movies. No one thinks you want to do big budget movies. <laughs> like everyone thought that he was like avoiding big budget movies because he's been doing all these eccentric indie." art house films but in reality i think that he was open to the idea obviously of a big budget movie he was intended if it's with a great filmmaker and has a great story yeah it seems like he's just drawn to eccentric and weird characters which is which is great because i love talented actors and actresses and when they take unusual roles which is what a lot of pattinson's roles are with him he's like he just wants to go the weirder the better yeah and that reminds me of of uh henry cavill superman that guy has been had spent like a decade like i want to be the next superman that's like my goal is to be superman even when he was on um that movie what was the Zack snyder movie or the show the eternals oh the movie yeah 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 i think i think it wasn't a, a snyder movie but it was like a, rip a production yeah. i think it was a i think i think snyder produced that movie and he's mm-hmm. in that movie he's, i think he's the lead character yeah. actually yeah and I remember watching an interview where there's a co-star with him talking about him. He's like, they're like, like talking about Henry Cavill. And he's like, yeah, he wants to be Superman. And this is like years before Man of Steel was in production. Well, Henry Cavill was uh, the second choice behind Brandon Routh for uh, Superman Returns. Thank God. They he, picked Brandon Routh over over Henry Cavill. Thank God. Honestly, yeah. Thank, thank God. Yeah. It, it would have been bad either way. Yeah. I love I love Henry Cavill, but why waste him on that crappy movie? <laughs> I don't care. If, I'm sorry if you like Superman Returns. That movie's trash. In my, it's not trash. It's just not that good. <laughs> but you're right. It would have been a waste of Henry Cavill because it would have just been a one-off still. Because you can't like be another Superman. There's no, no one could have. No actor could have elevated that movie. Yeah. The way the way Superman was written in that movie was just like a brick, <laughs> like a piece of wood. It's like his, his head was empty. There, there's nothing going on in there. No, the lights are on, but no one's behind the wheel. <laughs> there's like nothing. Uh, it's not to not to just roast that movie, but we'll move on. And then and then with Tenet, uh, Pattinson showed us that he he's great in action. He does a, he did a good job. He actually did most of his stunts, and he did uh, all of his stunt driving in Tenet. That's so, awesome. so he clearly can handle the action. Yeah, and there are a bunch of wild r- rumors for the Batman. Like <laughs> the the craziest one is that him and Zoe Kravitz had sex on the Batmobile, and they, she got pregnant, 
and that Matt Reeves hates Robert Pattinson because of it. Yeah, the rumor is that he caught, Matt Reeves caught them on set and everyone else was gone and they were having sex in the Batmobile, which is the stupidest thing I ever heard and in my so life. And so he's pregnant. Yeah. It's the most ridiculous rumor of all time. So obviously that's that's a lie. But then another one is that that Matt Reeves wasn't happy that Pattinson showed up like out of shape to Batman. The guy he didn't show up out of shape. He just didn't get huge. He's yeah. in shape. He's he's physically fit to play the character. Obviously, you can see him beat the crap out of the guy in the movie, which obviously it's acting, but it's believable. Yeah, he's he's still in shape. He did a lot of jujitsu training and martial arts, so he doesn't have to be big to be Batman. That's what I think we gotta understand and accept. I mean, uh, we all loved how big Christian Bale was, but I mean, guy I don't got think massive. We're, we're not gonna get that with Robert Pattinson. And also, Ben Affleck didn't get he didn't get like chiseled. He got he was big, but they had they cut that suit up. Yeah, the, the, that suit I was mean, cut up. Th- that shirtless gym scene. We that, just I, don't think that was, I think Zach went in there with some Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ben. There's no way that's Ben Affleck. He got huge, but I don't think he had a twelve pack in that movie. He, he was did, in the town. In the town he was in that shape, but this is eight years later. All right, maybe we should stop talking about men's physiques for now too, anyways. <laughs> Robin Pattinson was filming Tenant, I think he was in his first week of filming in production when uh he got offered to audition for the Batman and he had he tried to make up some excuse saying he had a family emergency to Chris Nolan. He's like, I have to go, I have a family emergency. And Chris Nolan's like, You're auditioning for Batman, aren't you? So Chris <laughs> Nolan knows everything that's happening at Warner Brothers, everybody. <laughs> I think that pretty much wraps our, our the Batman episode up. Yeah, it's a it's a fun one. That thank you. Good. Yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. I think the release date is December twenty twenty one. That's what's on the slate. That when uh, he Got shared it. the photo, it says, uh-huh. it says I think it said December thirty first, twenty twenty one. So I think that's the release. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I can't wait to see this movie. We hope you guys are excited about it. And thank you so much for tuning in. Go to RaidersOfLostPodcast.com to check out all of our content. Become a patron and support us and get all the cool perks that come along with it. And thank you so much. Check out our merch. We got t-shirts. We got hoodies, hats. We got we got the works. Movie posters, custom movie posters. RaidersOfLostPodcast.com. Yeah. Take care, everyone. I'm a vengeance. vengeance.